I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse. And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. That's not a great hurdle. It should be so obvious what you do from either your name or your tagline or your messaging that it, it needed to be changed. Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. This is episode 128. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in? We would love to know what you think. We definitely would. Today, we are having back one of our OG guests, uh, Courtney Fanning. And while when we talked first talk with Courtney in episode four about her business, big picture branding, she has a big announcement that she's making about how she's kind of switching it up. And um, so we're excited to have her back on the show. If you haven't listened to episode four, give that a listen to afterwards, because everything that she said is still very viable and um, informative. But before we get into that, Jesse, what are you drinking today? Mm, I just got the water today, so uh, nothing too exciting. It is starting to get warmer out, so I imagine over the next couple of shows, we're going to see some more interesting cocktails from me since it's just been a weird time. Been a weird yeah, time. So I totally, I totally agree with you. It's just that time of that time of year. All right. Well, I don't know what I'm. I, I'm just having some water too. I'm just going to stick with that for well, the time. It's, yeah, it's good. You know, you can't, let's just, let's be real. You can't go wrong with just drinking some water. Well, especially it is the middle of summer. You know, we did record this uh, episode earlier on in the uh, spring season before I went on my, you know, quote, maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I really wasn't feeling like any cocktails. Who knows? If you came by my house now, I'd probably be out on my back porch in the sun drinking a mimosa which is the dream, living the dream. All right, well, let's get to our conversation with Courtney, who is going to talk to us about how she has recently pivoted her own brand. And uh, let's get into it. As a copywriter and brand messaging strategist for creatives and entrepreneurs, Courtney Fanning helps you wrap your head around what you're trying to build to create differentiated messaging that resonates with your dreamboat clients. As the founder of Big Picture Copywriting, Courtney provides one-on-one client services as well as marketing and copywriting resources and courses for DIY online businesses. Courtney has worked with New York Times best-selling authors, purpose-driven startups, multi-passionate, multi-hyphenates, and ambitious dreamers alike to build a big picture strategy that turns purpose into profit. Her clients have appeared in Forbes, South by Southwest, Apartment Therapy, Rising Tide Society, and more. Courtney is also one of our early guests on our podcast, where in episode four, she talked about audience personas and how they helped create 44 blog posts. So listen into that one. And today she's going to talk to us about how to pivot your offer. She has recently made a brand update going from big picture branding to big picture copywriting. Courtney, welcome to the show. Like coming home. Mm-hmm. We're so excited to have you on the show, uh, but we must start off with what are you drinking today? So as you ladies know, 
I love my Aperol spritz in the summer, mm-hmm. but it's still a little chilly. So I have really been enjoying a Fever Tree G&T. Have you come across Fever Tree Tonic before? Yes. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> it's delicious. I love, I love gin and tonics too. Yeah, they have a yuzu. a couple times. They're amazing. I feel like they're like a good spring cocktail because they're not heavy like a whiskey or a bourbon, you know, which you kind of like in the winter. But it's not quite as like cheerful as an Aperol spritz. So I'm enjoying – they have like a yuzu flavor, which is super citrusy with the gin tonic or a cucumber. Yeah, I'm loving it. I love the way you just described that because that is literally the in-between that we're in right now. Like you're like, mm-hmm. it's not like great for winter, but it's not like super like citrusy for summer. So it's like in the middle, which today is a very much a spring day in New England. Cold. And their little Even cans are perfect size. Like a little can of tonic is like the yeah. perfect for one cocktail. If like, I don't know, my, my husband doesn't drink liquor. So it's just me. And half the time the tonic is like this giant bottle that gets used, you know, twice a month. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm Yeah, I know. Sometimes when you open that bottle of wine, you feel a little guilty about, well, where else is it going to go? So that's perfect. Absolutely That's why I love boxed wine. I'm a big boxed wine proponent. Well, you know, Jessie is. is, Every other show, she's drinking boxed wine. We have have enjoyed the Boda Box boxed Mm -hmm. wine. That's like our go-to for the boxed wine lately. Yeah. Really good. Yep. Well, there you go. Yes. All right. Well, Jesse gave us a little bit uh, about who you are, what you do, um, the fact that you've been on the show already. You were one of our early guests, which was awesome. And it's exciting to have you back on. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about what you've been up to the past, uh, well, two years now, I guess. I know two years. So much can happen when you're a small business and you're basically DIYing everything. It feels like it feels like I've 10 years into two years of business, but I've basically really expanded the education portion of my business, which is exciting because I was focused on client work for the most part. And I was kind of starting to branch into DIY education and doing all of my blog posts and all of that stuff. But I now have a course, which I'm very excited about. It's a live course. So I actually go through with my cohort of students for six weeks. And it's like, I help them do that execution piece that so many people are missing when they take a course. Um, and then I'm just still rolling with the, just writing all of my posts and creating resources and products. And I mean, it's a really exciting time to be an online educator, as well as I still get that one-on-one like joy of working with other businesses. Mm-hmm. I love that. And how is the course going for you? It's going well. It's going slow, which I like because yeah. I do feel like we're so... We're fed the narrative that you create a course and you're going to create 30, 50, 100 grand your first and second years. It's such a slow burn for so many people and nobody talks about that. And so I kind of prepped myself for that. And it's true, like I'm growing, but it's slow and it's sustainable. And every year I'm able to add a new resource or a new tutorial or a new set of something. And I'm able to add a few extra people to the course that I can help, but it's not so overwhelming that it just feels like, it's all happening so fast and I'm getting burned out and now I don't want to do this anymore. So which is I'm, exactly what happened yeah. to me. And we just talked, we'll, we have an episode coming up on that. And um, so I'm so glad to hear that you're like taking it slow and making it sustainable for yourself because otherwise you would be saying goodbye. Like I did. <laughs> which like practicing what I preach, I learned that because last year I had massive burnout come summer because 
that was the first time I went from taking my beta group and I actually put it into formal course software. I filmed everything. Like I did all the things, which was a big step. I didn't do it from the get-go. I did have my very beta beta group where like everything lived in Google Docs. And that my sales page was a Google Doc form. And that worked great because I was just testing it out. But last year was the first year I made it more formal and put things into actual software. And it was exhausting and I had massive burnout. So this round of this, I think this will be my third time running the cohort. Um, it feels a lot more sustainable. Everything's in place. I'm not adding a ton more to it. I'm just trying to make sure what worked last time still works this time and we're all good. You're so smart. Love it. To do Love that, it. especially after burning out, like took some time, mm-hmm. worked onto it. So we're um when we first talked with you, it was big picture branding. But now, what's the new name? Big picture copywriting. And let's dive into it. What's why the change? <sighs> well, it was pretty apparent actually from like year one in business that my name was going to be a problem. But it, you know, you're a first year business owner, you're like, I'm not gonna be reactive. I'm just gonna see what happens. But essentially, when I decided to start my business, I had worked with a business coach and working on brand strategy, that's what I was going to do. I wasn't going to get into copywriting because my background is in marketing. I've done messaging and copywriting, but it's usually for like corporate offices and copy by committee is just the worst. Like that's where copy goes to die. It's where creativity dies. So I kind of was like, no, I just want to focus on the messaging and the brand strategy. I love that. So literally my first client was like, this is so great. I love the strategy. I love the messaging pillars. Can you take me that next step? Can you write my copy? And I was like, okay, sure. But what else am I going to say? Like, you're my first client. Let's try it out. Turns out when you work with clients that are totally aligned with you, you get to choose your product projects. You get to actually kind of do your own process. It's awesome. It's a joy. So I started adding more and more copywriting to the docket. And long story short, basically copywriting is what closes the deals. So I learned early on that I was giving what giving people what they needed. It wasn't necessarily what they wanted. So I now offer both. Like I give them what they need. They need the strategy, but I'm also making sure that copywriting is always there because that's what that's what people need. That's also the visual aspect of what I do. So it's a lot easier to sign sign clients when they're like, oh, I understand the deliverable. I get a website. I get an email sequence. I get a landing page. So that was the main first issue is just like people wanted the copywriting and I was able to do it. And it turns out I liked doing it. The other issue is that with my background, I assumed that everyone had the same level of knowledge of what branding is. And to me, it's super holistic. It's everything under the branding umbrella. But to my audience, it's logo, color, type, imagery, which I kind of knew, but I didn't realize how deeply ingrained that was to most people who aren't in the branding and marketing sphere. So I kind of committed the ultimate sin of not truly understanding my audience. And so those two things combined, I just knew, you know, at some point I'm going to have to change my name, going to wait for the right time, but it's inevitable. So how many years were you big picture branding? (sighs) Let's see. So I officially became big picture copywriting well, it was underway like January 2023. So like four years. Yeah. I wasn't reactive at all. <laughs> I mean, that's I really still, pushed it that's, off. That's still not bad, though. I mean, how many how many companies do you hear going through a rebranding after 50 years of business, 60 years mm-hmm, of business? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's you. Yeah, I, and would, I, was, I would actually say you were pretty good at getting it done. 
When I wanted to make sure that it was also the right name change, I mean, I did a big picture brand strategy and copywriting. Like, what a crazy URL would that be? Also, how confusing is it going to be to my audience to make a change? Do they really care? Am I going to, is this going to change the type of people that come through my door? So I did a lot of actual research, probably well over a year before I actually made the decision to, okay, this next big project I do, it's going to be changing everything, rebranding everything. So I asked my students, like, when you came across me, were you confused at first? Did you think I did design? And at least 50% of them said yes. But then oh, they nice. kind of got to know me and they were like, oh, no, it's it's also strategy. That's what she means by branding. But they had to be educated and they had to have that moment of, oh, that's what she means. And I was like, you know, that's not a great hurdle. It should be so obvious what you do from either your name or your tagline or your messaging that it it needed to be changed. So many people I see in Facebook groups are, you know, you know, mainly photographer groups that I'm in. They're like, oh, I'm starting my photography business. I'm really hung up on the name. And so many people just throw out like random things. And after like working with you personally to help choose the name of one of like my educating arm when I did have it, like knowing what goes into like that connection, like you said, like making it obvious of what you do and having your name reflect that. Like so many people are just throwing out these names with zero connection back to what it is. I mean, Just Leap Wyman Photography is pretty obvious that I'm a photographer, maybe not necessarily a brand photographer, which is whatever at this point, but it's clear that I'm a photographer. Um, Branding is one of those things that before, I think even before like I met you, again, I always just went immediately to the visuals. So yeah, it's not surprising. People probably confuse that for a while. I, I have seen uh, like a downward tick in the number of people that do just, it doesn't matter how clear your messaging is on your website. There will always be someone who goes to your contact form and submits an inquiry. And you're like, did you read yes. my website? <laughs> did you read what I do? And so I, I have not seen, it's been a month now. I haven't got any inquiries of like, hey, hey. can you help me with my branding? <laughs> Here's the colors. And I'm like, oh boy. So that's great. I do still get inquiries occasionally. It's usually through networking groups because they can't see the word copywriting written, but they think I'm a legal copywriter with an R. I still have to battle that, but that's, you know, you can only do so much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I never thought of it that way. I get messages from people saying, do you want to join, you know, buy a franchise? And I'm like, what does this have anything to do with a travel motherhood and life's like fashion blog? I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like people don't yeah. pay attention. No, they're never going well, to. Well, a lot of it's just like spam and it's like just filling in your contact form and you're just like, clearly this is spam. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got the name change. And so at the same time, you did a massive overhaul to your website. So was it always the vision that when you did, you know, you said you knew this from day one that you were eventually going to change it? Like at what point did you feel like you also had to change your website as well? Like, was it just because you were really honing in and trying to tell that story differently? Tell us a little bit about like the decision to do it all uh, together. Yeah. Part of it was that I wanted to make sure that if I was changing my name, I was going to make it a thing. I'm always kind of thinking, like putting my marketing hat on of like, I don't want to just do this thing for no reason. Like this is another reason to talk about how I had to go through my own materials and my own templates. And like, I had to walk the talk and go through my processes, just like what I put my clients through and I had to test everything. So 
that's a great marketing opportunity there, as well as the fact that it's just good practice to do that to your business every once in a while. Uh, so I knew that if I was going to do it, I wanted to do it right. I didn't want to just like coyly change the logo to say branding to copywriting and call it a day and switch my URL and not talk about it because I actually have had a lot of clients who have had to rebrand or they've had trademark issues and they've had to change their name. And so they've had to go through like, okay, do I just change the name and hope no one notices? Or what's the communication that I need to have with people so they understand why I made the change? Or is this going to affect my business? And so part of it was that I wanted to make it a big thing. And the other is that it was just kind of a natural timing. I My website hadn't been sort of professionally, professionally designed um, ever. It was just me on Squarespace doing my thing for almost four years, which was perfectly fine. But I had this vision in my head of how I could stand out if I was able to get someone who actually, you know, was a really great designer. And so I worked with our friend Vera, who I think she was on the podcast actually, I don't know, two years ago as well, to really try and figure out, okay, I'm going to change my name, but I'm also, I need to define myself. So my word of the year was differentiation. How am I going to differentiate myself? There are tons of copywriters out there who are some focus on they're a micro agency. So how am I different from a micro agency? Or how am I different from someone who's just like a solopreneur? And then how am I different from all the other course creators out there and all the other people teaching DIY copywriting education? So I actually, I knew I wanted to do this, but I actually didn't know like what was, how was I really going to put on this show until a random day, I think last summer, I was walking in the neighborhood of uh, Providence is where I live. And there's this amazing library, the Athenaeum library. And it's like this old, it's like a membership only library, but you can go in and walk around. It's very colonial. It's, it's just got that like leather couch mm, academic feel that I love because at the end Me of the too. day, I'm a total bibliophile. I worked in publishing. I'm I'm a Ravenclaw. Like I am so romantic about literature and words and all of that nonsense that I just felt like, you know what? This would be a great place for me to say there's so much that goes on behind the scenes with copywriting. It's not just words. It's research. It's also being someone who's read a lot to understand what narratives people really are driven by. Like even if you're trying to sell a product or a service, there it's more than just like salesy copywriting. It's all about behavioral psychology and stories. And so I wanted to bring that into this overall overhaul. And it all just kind of coincided nicely. It was like, okay, this is how I'm going to differentiate myself. Here's how I'm also going to use it to change my name, make it, make a big deal about it, and then also market myself a little bit more. And I know we had been talking, you know, throughout this process. So I kind of knew this was coming probably before a few others, you know, other than like Vero. And I remember and I know we, you know, we didn't list this as a question, but I remember at one point you said you were, you had to like coming up with inspiration, like a visual inspiration for what your brand would look like was actually really difficult too. And I think you came across the word like moody academic or tell me like, what was that? Tell like, <laughs> t- talk to us about that. Cause I think that's, really I love that that's dark awesome. academia. Yes. Okay. Oh, Dark academia. Yeah. So it kind of had like a little bit of a trending moment, um, which I'm always afraid of because I don't want to be a part of a design trend. Like I don't want to seem outdated. Um, But I I took elements from that where it is about like 
you know, getting deep into the research, sitting down in a big chair and I've got my notebooks out. I mean, I honestly, on this table right now, I have four different notebooks and they're all for different things because that's just how my brain works. I have to separate stuff out. One is for research. One is for my own marketing and sales. One is for brainstorming. One is for content creation. Like I just, I love that sort of academia feel of like, you got your books, your research, all of that. And so um, to make it visual, though, how can we make it kind of romantic? Uh, I just fell in love with the dark academia style. So I don't get quite as dark as as that sounds. But, you know, it's it's warm. It's cozy. You're in a library. Maybe there's a crow flying. I don't know. Right. Well, and, and especially then- since you do have Jesse taking a lot of your photos, who she's more like the light and airy photographer. But yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the pho- photography and there there is definitely that that Ravenclaw-esque I loved how you used that uh, feel to it. I love it. And yeah, you it was used, definitely a challenge with the lighting. Using, you were using that phrase to kind of help during like our photo session, right? To try to come up with inspiration and like trying to tie it all together. So if anybody's listening to this and interested in how the visual piece comes into play, sometimes it can be hard to define, especially when you are trying to be so different. And like, it's like a new, like, I remember you said it was hard for me to like, understand the style, like to what words to use to describe your style. So, um, so I thought that was an interesting process for you to discover. Yeah. Um, Well, and sometimes people tend to think of how am I going to differentiate myself? There's messaging. Like, that's one thing, like what you say you do and how you say you do it and how you're going to be perceived, but also like visually, So many of us are like, oh, well, visually I will be, I will be the pink copywriter. I'll be the neon copy. Like it's my colors or I'm going to be the one that looks super editorial. It's going to be my typography. And it's like, those are great places to start. But if you're going to build a true brand, you need to have a lot of different touch points that people associate with you. So it needs to sure be what you look like and your photography and your imagery and your messaging, but also like who are you really? Like, I am actually very nerdy and academic. So I wanted that to show up. It wasn't just a show I'm putting on because I thought it was pretty or would attract people, but it just felt like it was really aligned. And then it also makes me stand out because there is only one me, you know? Okay. Side question. Side question on that. I know we did not ask this, but this is a really interesting point. And we may have talked about this. I cannot remember with our guests, but how do you align perhaps a brand or, or I don't know, like what happens if you're developing a new business or developing a brand and like the brand's personality is one thing and your personality is another thing. And like, if it's still a personal brand, like how does that, have you ever come across that and how does that work? Or we may have to save that for another discussion, but. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Cause I've seen two different things happen, both to me and to my clients where you basically, you see somebody online who's maybe in a similar space or inspires you. And so you tend to do stuff that's very, very similar to what they're doing. Like even aesthetically, even if their aesthetic is also your aesthetic, you tend to get a little too close. And so that's what I was starting to feel like, is my aesthetic really like, it is me, but is it me enough? Or is it a little too much of what people might associate with somebody else? And so that's when I really, that's when I had that walk in a library and I was like, this is me. This is who I am. I need to incorporate this more into the visual side of my brand to help tell the story of what goes into writing and copywriting and and digital marketing. Um, So that's kind of, that's the end of it where you're like, this is me. The brand is looking one way, but it's not totally aligned. How can I get it back on track? 
Um, I see this happen with a lot of people say, I want to look just like this person. I want to sound like them. And I'm like, that's fine, but let's figure out what makes you, what do you like about that? Is that similar to what you do? We'll get close to that, but we'll make it you so that you're not mistaken for somebody else. Um, and then I see with my clients a lot where they have a very, very strong, they have strong preferences in their own life. Their house looks a certain way. Their paint colors look a certain way. And so they want their brand to look like that. And that's fine, but it doesn't align with their audience, weirdly enough. So that's where we have to kind of really say, like, I know that, like, you really like this, this, and this, but it seems like actually for the type of industry you're in, the type of people that are coming to you, maybe something a little bit more calming and muted is actually more appropriate for you. So that can kind of happen. You have to look at what's right for me, what's right for my audience, what's right for what everything else is happening out there. It's just, it's a game. And that's why I think it's helpful to get third-party perspective all the time. Yeah, because I feel like in that situation where it really is like a tug of war between what you personally like versus like what you're going to try and attract from a visual perspective, Mm. that disconnect, taking like the personal out of it almost is done through that third-party like... Mm -hmm thing. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, okay. So when you were thinking about this, this change, you know, over the years, did your content, like the way you've created content that maybe the topics that you've talked about, the topics that you liked, didn't like, did that come into play with shaping this direction? And how did you come to embrace that? I guess some people, I think struggle with kind of like with the visual aspect, like leaning towards what they truly authentically love and, you know, going with it. It's almost like a little bit of denial, like scared to move forward. So how did you like work that into your, how did your content play into that? And how did you sort of overcome that? I definitely was resistant at first. If you go back and look at my original, like 10 or 12 blog posts, they're mostly strategy focused because that's what I said I wanted to focus on. Um, But I also started around the end of year one, I started my email list and I started surveying people that was worked into my welcome sequence. And then now I actually do a big annual survey every year for all of my, my list. And I just asking them, what are, what is it that you're trying to overcome? What are your desires? What do you struggle with? And that really helped shape what my audience wants, which was great. So they helped me come up with ideas. And then the more I started just writing about, you know, I was letting them kind of direct the show a little bit, but I really liked it. And that was a sign to me that, look, you actually know a lot about this and you enjoy writing about it. Like the content is is proving that this is the direction you need to go. So keep going with it. And it was just all, it was just more points for, yep, you need to change your name. You need to rebrand. Yep. It's time. It's almost time. It's time. Like more and more evidence was just stacking up. So content definitely just helped me feel like, you know, if I'm writing stuff and it feels aligned, just keep keep going with it. And then you were backing this up by taking, I mean, you seem like you you actually do visit your um, analytics quite a bit, like your blog post analytics and your Pinterest mm. analytics. So you are seeing those particular topics maybe more in line with copywriting performing better. Yeah, but it is kind of tricky though. So I will say, especially... I think we've actually talked about this before with Pinterest, just like in our own personal lives, like having a little business chat about how certain things will just get pinned over and over. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's gold content because of the way the algorithm works, especially if it's a pin that's older. So my first pin um, about, I think it was the article I wrote for uh, what you're fi- finding your five brand pillars, your five P's. 
that does really, really well. So that blog post does really, really well. But I, I'm not 100% sure if that's what people really want from me. It's just that the algorithm, it's been out there. It's my oldest piece of content. It's just the easiest thing out there. So it's kind of getting rinsed and recycled. So I mm-hmm. take everything with a grain of salt. What I really pay attention to is anytime I do a marketing activity, like I join, I do a talk or I join a summit or something like that. And I get a lot of new people on my list. I look at what are they clicking? Because part of my welcome sequence is that I do give people a big menu of like, here's some blog posts you might be interested in. I look at what they're clicking and that really tells me the direction they're going and they're brand new users. So they've never seen my stuff before. The algorithm didn't serve it up to them. I did. So that's kind of, I have to look at both what the analytics say, but then also actually look every month at what's happening and try and make my own assumptions. That's genius that you actually do that. So and then you pay attention doing. to this. I need to do that more. Me to too. That. Well, I'm a big fan of, I use ConvertKit for my email marketing. Okay. You can tag so many things and it is just, the data is all there. I mean, it's not like a huge dashboard. And that's sometimes why Google Analytics can be overwhelming because if you didn't already know what you were looking for, that data is lost. You can't find it again. But like in ConvertKit, I can go back to an email series and every link is tracked and I can see who clicked it, what they clicked. Um, what other automations or sequences are they in? What other products have they bought? Like, I just love all of that. Okay, I need to book a convert kit crash course with you um, <laughs> because I just switched over and I feel like I. Oh, you my... did? Okay. Yeah. See, I'm yeah. on Flowdesk still, so. Yeah. And all I, good and options. I'm, yeah, and I've been having problems figuring out. I mean, this is coming out in July, so hopefully by July I'll figure it out because analytics changed over to like their GA four model yes. or something. Yeah. That's okay. I, I haven't even figured out how to connect my property, but that's all right. Well, hopefully by <laughs> hopefully by the time this actually comes out, I'll be all set because I I look at them every once in a while, but not necess- not not to your extent, and that is definitely the way to do it. So that's your next that's your next course, Courtney. How to I yes yeah how to well, leverage your analytics for better direction in your audience and offer. <laughs> I've actually had a lot of thoughts about what would my next course be because I a lot of my students at the end, they've launched their website, which is like, woohoo, but if you build it, they will not come. So they say, I ask them, what's the next thing you want to learn from me? Doesn't mean I'm going to do it, but like, it's a great yeah. question, exit survey question to ask. And it's always marketing related. It's true. Like once you build the website, n- now what? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. No. And I think, I think people sometimes, and you know, there's nothing wrong with throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks, but you have to see what sticks and you can do that through a variety of ways, looking at your analytics, doing the survey, like under like, and that way you're not spinning your wheels. You actually have some direction on where to focus your energy, I think is great. And so many of us and myself, and I love, like, I can totally geek out over data, but I just feel I'm so deep in the wheat, like, Mm-hmm. you know, what is it deep in the weeds with doing the day-to-day client work that I just don't have a good schedule or structure in place to regularly review my analytics to focus that energy. So. Yeah, that's a huge problem with everyone, especially if it's just you running your business. It's like, you don't have enough time. There just isn't, but... Well, that's my vote. There, you have my vote for one. <laughs> well, that, that also brings up... So that brings up a question. Um, do you have a team or is it just you? I think it's just you, right? I have one person who helps me with okay. Pinterest. I was doing my own Pinterest and it is so time consuming, but it's also, it was kind of valuable. 
at the time it was driving a lot of traffic to my website and it still is and it's doing well seo has actually taken over but you know i put a lot into my my content and my seo so like it better seo better be working for me for the <laughs> amount of time it takes but i do have one person who helps with pinterest everything else even my bookkeeping which shouldn't be me is me but you know <laughs> that is one thing i definitely outsource i cannot do that well, knock on wood, I just, you know, submitted my taxes. So let's hope I don't get audited. But I think everything looks okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do my own bookkeeping. But when it comes to, came to my taxes, I hired a professional because Oh, yeah, I was just like, Nope. Yeah, no, I don't do the taxes. <laughs> but I at least make sure you know, my bookkeeping software is up to date mostly. And that's so <laughs> funny. I'm the complete opposite. I'll do my taxes. But I I hear someone to do the bookkeeping. Oh, gee. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw that. the Again, We're this is airing in July, but I did see on Jesse's stories. Okay, okay, okay. I guess I'll file my taxes. Well, no, we filed taxes. Tax I paid. I paid my quarterly taxes. Oh, you paid oh, yeah. your taxes. Okay. We already filed. We did file. It made me then. so nervous when I saw that. I was like, she hasn't filed yet, and it's today. It's a that very different great. personality type for me. I'm like, no, mine was done in January. <laughs> yeah, mine was mine was done like a March. month. We, we got ours like a month ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, March was ours. So it's just I had to. I had to or I would have been like, <gasps> oh, my gosh. So. All right. Well, this uh, conversation was so informative and I'm so excited for your new launch. This is fantastic. Um, yes. Where can people find out more about you, your course, your services now that you are big picture copywriting? I know. So exciting. This is the first time I get to sort of announce myself publicly as, you know, go to bigpicturecopywriting.com. You can learn about both my one-on-one services. If you're the type of person that's like, "Mm, I'd like you to write it, please. Or if you're a DIYer on a DIY budget, I have different products. I have a ton of free resources and a ton of blog posts to kind of help you get up to speed, improve your copy step-by-step. I also have my copywriting cohort course, which is a live six-week course. I am there alongside you editing, masterminding, all the things for six weeks so that you can get your home about and services pages written and actually installed into your website template. Um, and you can get on the wait list for that by going to bigpicturecopywriting.com slash C3 copywriting cohort course C3. And mm. I will also put a blog, a little plug in for your email newsletter because yeah. I love getting it. It, so good. Just, it It's so good. It's so good. And when I get an email from you, I'm just like, okay, what story does she have for me today? And I rebranded that. I made less of a big deal about it because there was a lot going on. Right. But I, instead of just calling it my biweekly newsletter, it's now letters from your editor. Because mm-hmm. oh, so I many of my, my students are like, you're my editor now. Like, that's how I see you. You are my copywriting editor. Um, and I was like, you know what? I feel like that's what my newsletter should be, letters from your editor, because that's exactly what I'm doing. So I love maybe it. I'll make a, a whole launch around that. <laughs> I I absolutely love it and I and I'll often read it aloud to whoever's around here to listen to it. So it's it's always it's always a fun take, I have to Aww, tell you. Thank so, you. It goes beyond even if you're not into this whole world, it's just always interesting. So, well it's been great catching up with you. I know Jesse gets to talk to you a lot more, but uh, it's been so nice catching up with you Courtney and hearing everything that you've been up to. Oh, well thanks for inviting me on again. It's yes. fun. And congratulations again. Thank you. So I always love having Courtney on the show, even though we've only had her on once before, but I know her personally. She's a client of mine. So I just love chatting with her. I think 
She's brilliant. And I was so excited for this new launch of hers. But what I thought was really interesting is that she kind of did the whole process of pivoting her brand as if she were her own client. And I appreciate hmm. that she took herself through that same sort of, you know, realization, you know, the strategy piece, the research piece, like looking at her audience and understanding what it is they need, what it is they want, but also at the same time, looking back at what she enjoys, what do, um, you know, what is her content saying about what her audience wants to see more of, doesn't want to see more of. And that really informed this really clear change in direction for her. Um, so I love the conversation. I think she brought up a lot of really good points. And so I think the conversation pretty much stands on its own. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm excited. I think we should, you know, at some point, I'm sure we'll have Courtney back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because she's, she's so great to have on the show. Um, she really has a, has her finger on the pulse of of content creation, not just, just branding and entrepreneurship, but content creation and, and knowing how to make the most of of all the opportunities out there. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So it is always great to have her on the show. And I would agree that the interview, as she was saying afterwards, she's like, I always try to tell me myself, Courtney, make it shorter, make it snappier. And it's like, truthfully, I think she said exactly what needed to be said. She's very succinct. She's very yeah. Succinct. Which is funny because she's a copywriter. And sometimes when you're a writer, you can be called glib. Hmm. So uh, she's not she's not a glib writer. Mm. She's uh, right on target. Yeah. So, uh, well, thank you so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Cocktails and Content Creation Community, and follow us on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation. You can also email us, content, Cocktails and Content Creation at gmail.com. I'm Kate Andrews, and you can follow me on Instagram at FashionablyKate and Co. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos. Make sure to tune in next time for another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. And until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creating.